Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church plant in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. Okay, let's get into the word. I'm going to invite you to open to Isaiah. We're going to be looking in chapter 9 today. Uh, Before we dive into that, uh, just a little quick recap. Last week, Pastor Timbo, thank you, Pastor Timbo, for bringing the word. Last week, really, uh, that was that was really good for us. He kicked off our Advent series, so we're currently in a, in a time of Advent, a time of waiting, a time of waiting with anticipation. And he started off with hope, the whole ish, the topic of hope, because as we're waiting, we can experience all these things. We have hope, we have peace, we have joy, and we have. Uh, 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 love that we experience from Jesus Christ, you know, and he said it so well, it is now and not yet. And so he kicked off with that and he brought it from the perspective of Isaiah. So we're beholding Christ through the writings of Isaiah. And it's actually quite fascinating because Isaiah lived and ministered 700 years before Christ. He was a prophet. You know, someone who heard from the Lord directly and he was bold enough to share the word of the Lord to people. And so uh, Timbo kicked off and and I think that it was it was just so good to be able to see just the work that the Lord has done and what we're anticipating. And once again, I can't stress it enough. The now and not yet is so pivotal. Now we can experience the goodness of Jesus Christ today. Right. We have access to him. We have peace with God, which we're going to talk about today and not yet because we're also still anticipating his return. And as he mentioned last week, this is so good. The promise is only as good as the one who promises. Right. Don't let me promise anything to you because I forget sometimes my promises. However, the Lord keeps his promises always. He has never, ever not come through to a, to a promise of his. And so we continue today focusing in peace. The peace that we find in this Advent season, the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace now and the not yet, the one that is to come. And so I'm going to invite you to open to Isaiah if you're not there yet. Um, and before we get into Isaiah, I want to just give you a little bit of context as far as, okay, who is Isaiah? What's going on in this book? How many of you guys have read Isaiah? Yeah, this, to be honest with you, this is the one, this is kind of one of those major prophets that you don't go into very often because it's a long one, (laughs) right? And a lot of it is is confusing. It's like, what's going on here? But let me just kind of paint the picture for you just really briefly. Isaiah, prophet of the Lord, meaning he hears from God directly, right? He is a messenger of the Lord and he ministers in the region of Jerusalem to Israel and Judea, the kingdom is divided at this time, and his ministry specifically to the leaders of Jerusalem. So he lived and walked in the era of prophets and kings. And so his ministry was, hey, this is the word of the Lord to you, king, so and so and so and so. There was a few that he ministered to. And so the kings of Israel and and Judah were under rebellion at this time. They had forgotten the Lord. Remember, this is the promised people of God, right? They had forgotten the statutes of the Lord. They were rebellion. They were unjust. They were idolaters. They have separated themselves from God, and God obviously takes note of this. And so Isaiah is called to to, to say the message, hey, God has to take notice of this, and this is the way that he's going to deal with you. And the message uh, just appears to be gloomy. 
Like if you are in rebellion and a prophet of the Lord comes to you and he says, the Lord has taken note of your rebellion and he's going to deal with you. How is that going to make you feel? Right. Uh, I'm okay with people having a problem with me. But if God, my creator, directly tells me has a problem with me, that's kind of like knee shaking. Do You know what I mean? Like if we understand the glory of God, the fact that he, ha- he is all powerful, and if we have this reverent fear of him knowing that, man, this is God, you know, to understand that there's this wrath upon me by him, that's, that's kind of heavy to say the least, right? I don't know if there's a w- better way to say how heavy it is to hear this, but here's the good news. Isaiah's message of gloom, right, and and justice was also accompanied with a message of hope. And this is the goodness of God. I, I love this, you know. It's like, yes, God is going to deal with you. He's going to raise your enemies. People like the Assyrians, like the Babylonians, right? And they're going to come and they're going to bring justice to you. And the Lord's going to allow that. But at the same time, the Lord is going to keep his promises. At the same time, he's going to redeem you. He's going to restore you. He is going to follow through with the promises that he gave to your forefathers, because God always follows throughs on his promises. And so this is the bit of hope, the message of hope that Isaiah was delivering. What's so fascinating about Isaiah is that he's so evangelistic. What does it mean to be evangelistic? It's a proclaimer of the gospel. Well, how was Isaiah evangelistic? The gospel hadn't happened yet, right? Jesus hadn't come. But everything in Isaiah just talks about Jesus, the Savior that was to come. And so these people weren't in a state of Advent. They were in a season of Advent. They were waiting with anticipation, this Savior, this Prince of Peace that we're going to look into right now. And so for the sake, again, of context, as we read this passage in Isaiah, I want to go back a little bit into chapter 8 to kind of show you a little bit of, of how the message came, right, and how it turned into hope. And you see that over and over and over again. Right. And so let me let's do that. Let's go to Isaiah. Let's start our reading in chapter eight, verse 16. But we're going to focus on chapter nine, verse six and seven today. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter eight, verse 16. Pay attention to the words here. Okay, don't just read this because we read the Bible at church. Really pay attention to what's going on here. If you want, I encourage you go back, read the whole thing. But pay attention to just the words that are coming out of Isaiah. These are the words of the Lord to his nation, to his people. Verse 16 says, Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. In other words, this is the word of God. Take it seriously. Receive it. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. Like think about that the Lord's hiding his face from us. That's not a good thing, guys. Right? This is what he's proclaiming to these people in Israel. He says in 18, Behold, I am the children whom the Lord has given me, are signs and portents, portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they, not, should they inquire of the dead and, and, and on behalf of the living? He says, to the teaching and to the testimony, that's what we ought to inquire, the word of the Lord. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land, look at this, greatly distressed and hungry, and they are hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged 
and they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward, and they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Ouch. Chapter 9. But, here's the hope. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. But in the latter time, the later days, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. In other words, the means of salvation even for the Gentiles. What he's saying, this is a message of hope here. Verse 2 the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joys. Its joy. The, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every, brute, every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And these are the two verses that I want to focus on today. For us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the promise of God to his people, even though they have rebelled, even though they're in wrong standing with God, right? He still loves us. For God so loved us, right, that he gave to us a way to be restored to him. And so this is the message of hope that I want to share with you today. Not just of hope, but a hope that brings also peace. So let's focus on that, the peace of God that comes through this time of waiting, this Advent season. Amen? Now, as we set um, into today's uh, passage here, I'd like to focus on four, four particular means by which we can attain the peace through Jesus Christ. I want you to know that you can experience God's peace today. There is this peace for now, and there's also peace for not yet, right? For later. But these four things that we see here from these two passages are these. One, peace is promised. We have promised peace for us according to the word of the Lord. We know that he keeps his promises. The second thing that we're going to look at is that there is peace by the birth of Jesus. The fact that he came in the flesh is a big deal. This is why we're here. This is why we, we Advent, we celebrate Christmas. We're also going to look at the fact that there's peace in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We experience that. It's a good thing, although it sounds gloomy, right? And there's also peace in the promise of his return. So we're going to break it down that way, and we'll, I'll show you where, where we see that in these passages. So let's look at the first point, peace promised. Let's look at verse 6 again. Peace promised. It says uh, this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. 
and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It will happen. That's what it's saying. It shall be this, okay? This is the promise of the Lord. First of all, what is peace? We probably will define it differently, but we know the, the feeling of peace, right? Everyone longs for it. What is peace? I looked it up. And it says this, a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation. Yes, right? Peace is freedom from, uh, from threat, freedom from war, freedom from quarrels, freedom from disturbance, freedom from strife, freedom from the things that brings you stress. That's peace. But what's the kind of peace that this, this passage is talking about? How would this passage define peace? What is the original here? Shalom. It is reconciliation with God, to be in right standing with God. That's peace. Think about it. If you're in right standing with God, you're experiencing his peace. You know, the Jews, the Hebrews, when they greet each other, they say, Shalom, peace of God be with you. It's so important to be able to be in right standing with God, right? That means forgiveness. That means reconciliation. That means restoration. This is the Prince of Peace, this Prince that we're talking about here. And so that is what peace is. It's to fix what is broken. Shalom. So now when you hear the word shalom, that's what that means, peace. Okay? Uh, true peace is reconciliation with God, relationship with God. And so the Bible says that we have this promise of true peace because the Prince of Peace is coming. Now, kiddos, and I'm going to consider myself a kiddo here. How many of you guys have seen The Lion King? You know, I used to love that movie. That was one of my favorite movies. Do you remember when Mufasa reigned? The land was green and beautiful and all the animals came and there was hundreds of thousands of them to, to, to meet this new prince that was being born, right? And everything was green and the zebras looked healthy and everything was fantastic. It was beautiful. Nice soundtrack to it. It made you want to be there, right? Mufasa reigned. He was a true king. He was a good king. And there was this prince that came. And so everyone came to, to see and to be introduced to this new prince. But do you remember, you know, uh, when Mufasa takes Simba and he says, look at the land, Simba. Everything in front of you is our kingdom, right? Right? You remember that? It's just like this, this display of, look how beautiful this kingdom is. You know, this, this king reigns and he reigns well. But then what happens? Then there's this new king. His name's Scar. Do you remember that? Do you remember what the kingdom looked like when Scar reigned? It was, it was like there was no sun or something, like they ate the sun or something because there's no longer daylight. It's just everything died. There's this scene where his minions, the hyenas, come and they say, Hey, Scar, we're hungry. There's no food. There's no water. There's nothing. What are we going to do? That's actually a pretty good picture of what happens or the outcome of different kings, let's say, different leadership. A leader really affects its, its, the thing that they're leading. You know, a good leader will lead people or their kingdom, let's say a good king, to a, a place of prosperity, a place of being able to sustain sustenance, let's say, and means are met and they're even able to bless others. You know, but a bad leader will drive it to the ground. And there's nothing, there's death, there's destruction. And so what are we looking at around the world? I think that we're living in a world of scar, you know? Like you look around, it's like, what's going on? It's hard to afford even groceries right now. It's like, well, there's no food, there's no water. Like, what are we doing, right? And even in this state, we're blessed, amen? But here's the thing, the promise of peace that we have is that we're going to have a Prince of Peace. And look at the description of this Prince of Peace. It's, it's amazing, it says, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor. 
Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is not a man. This is not an ordinary man. I'm sorry. This is not one of those kings that take over eventually. This is not a person. This is a deity. This is God himself. This is what it's saying. Look at it. Wonderful counselor. Counselor is one who is able to make wise plans, right? It's someone beyond human intelligence. That's a wonderful counselor. I don't, I've met a couple of people in my life that I think are good counselors, but wonderful counselors? The Lord is a wonderful counselor, amen? Mighty God, clearly that's Yahweh himself. Who are we going to call mighty God except for mighty God himself, amen? Everlasting Father, a benevolent protector, the way God himself cares for his people. A, a good father cares for his people, for his children, right? Like if you look at this picture that we use as example of Scar, you can obviously tell that he didn't care, right? He was just looking after his own. But no, this Prince of Peace that we see here is someone who cares as a father cares for his children, a loving, benevolent father. And then we have the Prince of Peace, the one who will reign. And while we're in his reign, we will experience that peace where there will be no more sorrow, no more pain. We have that promise for the not yet. But even now, we have been reconciled by him to God, right? And because of that, we can experience shalom, peace. That's the promise of peace that Isaiah is talking about. So do you see how we can experience peace now and not yet? Now because Christ has come, you know, he has changed everything for us. We can now be in right. His righteousness has been counted to us, but not yet because we still live in this world, right? Like if we turn left and right, things are still hard. Things still hurt. Things are still kind of like in turmoil inside. So that's, that's the promise for, for later. That's what we're anticipating now. That's the advent that we're in, this time of waiting, because we know that one day everything will be brand new. Amen? That's the promise of peace. Let's continue here. The next thing that we see here is a promise. Uh, um, uh, the, the, the peace that we find in the birth of Jesus. Excuse me, guys. Again, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Isaiah is prophesying 700 years before Jesus Christ. And the fact that this happened, I love the way Timbo put it last week. He said the chances for any man to even fulfill, how many, four, you said four or eight prophecies is so unlikely, like almost impossible, yet Jesus fulfills hundreds of them. Amazing. He, sure enough, Isaiah prophesied it the lord showed it to him and it happened let me take you to luke chapter one one through four i think it's good for us to read this account in the season it says this luke chapter two excuse me uh one through 14 it says in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration with canarius was governor of syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the, and the lineage of David. So he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So verse, five, verse 6 says, and there they were, and she gave birth in verse 7 to her firstborn. That fulfills that promise. For to us a child is born, a son is given. 
Amen. So there's this peace that comes from the birth of Jesus. Verse 8, and the same, in, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swathing cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the birth of Jesus is not just a fulfillment of promise, but there's the fulfillment of the promise of the peace that comes by this prince. Amen? And so the birth of Jesus is a big deal, guys. And that's what we celebrate today, is the fact that we can now attain or experience the peace of Jesus because he is here, because we have that. There's only one mediator between man and God, and that's Christ Jesus. Amen? We have them. He's available to us, and he... Uh, and, and we're going to talk about it. And he's also died for us. He's taken the punishment that we owe in our place, right? Uh, so we have peace in Christ. And according to Isaiah, we also have peace in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's the next thing. So he came. That's a big deal. But why did he come? He came so that he can die. That's, that's it, you know? And so let's take a look at that. Uh, but let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. Let's look at verse 7 this time. It says... Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Look at this, this, this section. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. To establish with justice and righteousness, there had to be the, the payment for the penalty of sin, and that was death. And so Christ established, you know, justice and righteousness by dying on the cross. He took the iniquities that, were, that we had to pay for onto himself. And as I mentioned before, it is his righteousness that is now counted onto us. You know, the fact that he did that established his kingdom. But the good news is that he didn't stay dead. Because if he did, it would just be a cool story, bro. Right? No, the fact of the matter is that on the third day, he raised from the dead. And we now declare victory over death because... Wow, this Prince of Peace is rocking, man. Like he fully, fully established the kingdom forever for eternity because he lives now. And now we have this promise of his return. I want to share this passage in Isaiah chapter 53. If we just fast forward there, it says this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. What does that mean? We are restored. We are experiencing shalom. This is Isaiah's words again, uh, 700 years before Christ. Like, How did he know that this is going to be happening? The Lord revealed that to him. The crucifixion was absolutely important, vital. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, the cross justifies us. Right? We are now counted just because of his righteousness. Be 
We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If any of you here don't have that assurance of faith, if any of you guys here wonder, I don't know if I have peace with God. I don't know if God's happy with me right now. If you've received the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have repented for the things that you know you have guilt on, right? You've broken the law of God. I can, I can assure you this. You can have peace with God. God is not angry at you. His wrath has been satisfied through Jesus Christ. That's the peace that we can experience. And there's no greater peace than to be in right standing with, with God Almighty, our Creator. Amen? Know that. Don't forget that. You have this assurance of faith. The Lord will not abandon you or forsaken you. Amen? And then finally, we have peace in the return of Jesus. This is the not yet part. This is the exciting thing that we uh, wait for. If we keep reading on verse 7 there, it says, Of his kingdom there will be no end to establish and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The The promise stands. The promise remains. We cannot forsake it. We cannot think it's not going to happen. No, 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 no. Don't lose faith. This is why we wait in anticipation, because we know that something good is going to happen. This promise comes from God himself, so we can bank on it. We can count on it. Look at this promise, Revelation 21, 1 through 4. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and he will be his, and they will be his people, and he and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed. Amen? That's the promise that we wait for. For God to be here with us, that he would truly be our God. Because sometimes we say, yeah, God is my God. But there's so many little things that mm, say otherwise, right? They get in the way between us. But to have the Lord in front of us, there's nothing more incredible than that for him to be our God and for us to be his people and for him to dwell with us the way that he did with Adam and Eve. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? And if it's not before he comes, it'll be when we go. We'll experience his glory and we will not be disappointed. Jesus says this in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the message that I want you guys, me included, to just cling to, hold on to. Jesus has overcome the world, and because of that, we have peace. There is no greater peace than to be in shalom, right? And right standing with God. That's what I hope that you take out of this. The peace of God is for now, and not yet. We're still anticipating his return. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a, couple, a few take- takeaways here. First, Jesus is our perfect Prince of Peace because only He can rescue us from sin. Perfect Prince of Peace. Just just remember Mufasa and and Scar, better than Mufasa. Better than Simba. This is Jesus we're talking about. He's our perfect Prince of Peace. And um, He has rescued us from sin 
really, if you don't understand the gravity of sin, then you probably haven't really been experiencing the goodness and the peace that comes from Jesus Christ. I want you to know this, bank this. Bank this for sure. He is our perfect Prince of Peace. Amen? To have peace, to have shalom, this is our second takeaway. To have peace with God is to be forgiven. So let me ask you this. Have you received the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you been forgiven for your sin? Because here, uh, there was, Paul and Silas were in, 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 they're in a jail. You know, we read this. The Philippian jailer asks them, well, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, just come to the Lord. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord, right? Turn from your ways and honor him. Live for him. Receive his forgiveness. If you have received that, you have peace with God. Amen? Let me ask you this. Have you done that? If not, let's have a conversation. He's, he's there, arms wide open. He wants you to experience this shalom, this peace that we have in Jesus Christ. And our, first, our final takeaway, three, Christ fills us with his peace now, and, he will, and we will experience the fullness of his peace in eternity to come. This is the now and not yet. We have peace with him now. We will have this new level of peace you know, in the future when we experience him, experiencing, experience him face to face. You know, while Jesus walked this earth, he said this to his followers. And I, and I think, I don't think I know that this is for us today too. He says this in John 14, 27, peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Amen. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, sometimes this Christmas season is hard for a lot of people. Sometimes it's not all pretty lights and wreaths and presents and whatnot. Not everyone experienced that kind of happiness that comes with it. But I hope that we could be that source of peace to the world. After all, we are Christians. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are his representatives to the world. And so the question that I have to, for you today, and I'm going to leave you with this, is how can you be a person of peace in this season? How can you be a person of shalom, of restoration, of reconciliation? How can you share the love of Jesus Christ to those who absolutely need it? Everyone needs it, right? It's not about the lights. It's not about the presents. It's not about the Christmas tree. It's not about the toys. It's not about the feast. It's not about that. It's about this relationship that we have from Jesus Christ. Amen? I have a passage just to share with you, and I, and, and I want to share it. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, it's Paul saying this, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what this is about. Amen? And to think about that, reflect on that. I hope that this has ministered, blessed you, as it has me, as I'm going through this and just seeing, wow, beholding Christ from seven years, 700 years before he actually showed up. Amazing. This to me is just absolute confirmation of the goodness and the trustworthiness of the word of the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We give you all honor and glory for your word today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it stands true it has to be true yesterday, today, and forevermore. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You've always kept your word yesterday, today, and we can count on it forever, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. I ask, Father, that you would help us, Father, 
that you would restore us to relationship with you if we're out of relationship with you, that you would convict us where we need conviction, Lord, and that you would allow us to be that source of peace, that source of encouragement, that source of life, of hope, of love, of joy to this world, Lord Jesus. You are good. We have tasted and we have seen that you are good. We want nothing more than others to be able to see this, to realize this, and to enjoy the shalom that is in you, Father, that only comes by you. And so, Lord, thank you for the peace of, that we can experience today. And, Lord, we wait in anticipation for that peace of eternity future. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.